Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of our Locked On Sound podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Hunter Trumbull and Michael Scholl. How's it going, guys? How's it going, everybody? Sorry I missed last week's episode, but I'm here with fresh information. You were missed a little bit, but you know. Yeah, probably not as much as I thought. Let's hop right into the important news for today for all of our Michigan viewers. The Digest was just released today with all of the dates and tag limits for waterfowl season. Yeah, they gave us about a month of time between opening early goose and when the Digest dropped. I really hope they, I kind of wish they would have let it go earlier, but you know, they took their sweet ass time on it. Yeah, they definitely took their time on it. I mean, it's the first weekend of August, and they gave you about, what, a one month heads up? That Yeah, September 1st to early goose. September 1st is also early teal. So, so Early goose and early teal both start September 1st, and the uh, important thing to note about our early goose is it goes for a full month this year rather than just two weeks. September 1st to the 30th, uh, you can take five dark geese a day. A day. Five a day. That's a, I mean, that's a pretty big bag limit. That's uh, bigger than it was last year. Last year we were only allowed three a day. It was three. Still sitting at uh, six ducks, right? Yep, still six ducks a day. Um, I believe teal was six duck or six teal a day too, but that only goes from the first through the sixteenth. So yeah, so you're gonna have a lot of guys hunting teal and uh, geese at the same time. Sixteenth it'll drop off and it'll just be goose. Uh, early goose looking to be, I think, pretty good this year. I've seen quite a bit of geese flying around. I'm hoping. Uh, they're young and dumb and coming into the spread easy. Well, you know what they say, the juvenile geese taste the best, so. You know, it's pretty interesting that they increase the tag limit, though, because pretty much everything I'm reading about the Michigan area says that we're going to have less of a waterfowl population in the area and that it's going to be more older generations and that the younger generation didn't do so hot. I'm not sure how the population is, is doing right now. I haven't seen the full numbers on flyovers or anything like that if they've got numbers this year uh, i know the dakotas and all that are in a drought so i'm sure there's geese the geese are not moving in and out of there so i'm i'm curious to see how that affects other states with the droughts happening in some of these northwest states maybe <clears throat> they'll have more geese maybe they'll have less if canada doesn't if canada doesn't get a uh winter this year like they did last year we won't see any any birds so well, and that's what I was hearing about was that the, uh, you know, since North Dakota and South Dakota are really in a tight drought, that most of those uh, waterfowl species, the migration pattern got kind of screwed up as they were looking for water, and that's really going to affect our Midwest hunting up here. Yeah, it did It did last year for sure, because last year was everybody was speculating that uh, if there was less less shooting in Canada because we weren't allowed to cross the border, that uh, maybe be the good old days for some of these states down south, and, and it didn't end up being the good old days. There was no winter. You know, we're, we're relying on the weather to push these birds down. There was absolutely no winter to speak of up there. And a lot of a lot of lakes up this way with heated uh, heat control and all that kind of stuff, now they stay open year-round. So these geese, they don't, they don't feel threatened as much unless there's a big storm to push them down. I... I think this year, though, I'm hoping early season is good. For at least around us, I've seen a lot of juveniles. Um, they're just picking up, and, and they've been flying out the last two weeks. They've got their flight feathers. They're flying around, family groups. Um, we actually just went out and took some pictures of them uh, on the camera. Got a, got a camera and took some pictures of them, and should be going to pick those. They'll be here soon, too. I was going to say, those should be developed pretty quickly, shouldn't they? I think I just got a call the other day. I got to go get them <coughs> one, one time this week. 
So what did you get on? Did you get digital copies on those? Will our Instagram and Facebook viewers be seeing those, or what should we expect? Oh, there should be digital copies of them. There will be a few that they see. Now, I, I'm not a professional camera photographer person, so I don't know how good they're going to turn out. There should be a couple good ones. We got a couple good pictures of some mallards taking off and a couple good pictures of geese and yeah, with, their, with their young Yeah, We did get young a good babies. couple stalks on some birds um, getting up really close to them. And, that, and honestly, that was actually really fun. That kind of gave me the uh, adrenaline that hunting did. We're going to put our phone on silent here, Mr. Trumbull. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> it was an accident. It wasn't my fault. Uh, pretty sure it's 100% your fault, no, actually. No, no. <laughs> Literally, it's quite nobody else's fault. <laughs> no, because, see, you're supposed to be the ringleader here and tell us that we're supposed to turn those on silent because I know me and Michael don't pay attention to crap. Yeah. Forgot this There's... is a third grade classroom I'm running. <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you didn't have the bulletin pulled up in the beginning of oh, our podcast bad. that says, please turn please phones turn on, on silent. Yes. Movie theater style. Yeah. See, okay. if nobody else knows this, but uh, Willie, it, he kind of keeps everything in line because sometimes me and Michael like to get sidetracked on other cool objectives that don't involve work and so you know Willie has to keep us going indeed he does well back to the digest off that can we get a uh, breakdown on some of these dates Michael so North Zone starts September 25th through November 27th and 28th uh, it's a daily bagland of six ducks five geese as well um their early zone is the same as ours, and now their late zone is November 27th, 28th. So that's their late duck season. And then middle zone starts October 2nd and goes to November 28th, and their late is 11 and 12th of December. And then south zone, which is our zone, which will be the primary hunting there. Now we do have a trip set for the middle zone. October 2nd, but our south zone is October 9th through December 5th, with late season being January 1st through the 2nd. And now the south zone does get a late goose, two late goose actually, that is January 1st through the 9th and February 5th through the 14th, so two late goose seasons compared to one last year. That, the real late one, the one in February, that one's going to be pretty interesting because it's going to be really cold. I'm curious to see how much snow we have in February at that time and where the birds are at. I don't know. There's either going to be a good amount of birds on feed if they can find some, but if it ices over like sometimes it does, depends the year, we will have, I don't think we'll have very many birds at all. Well, I know last year, instead of having two separate weeks, there were just two weeks put together at the end of January, beginning of February, which made finding the geese hard that time of year now. They came in real late. They did coming real late i will i will say our duck season though it seems like every year we start early and the ducks aren't really flowing like you want them to and just about the time middle season rolls around we'll get a good bunch of them yep and then the last three weeks of season they're gone there's like nothing here Mm -hmm. we'll end the season and we'll get into January and there'll be another big push of ducks and they'll be everywhere for two weeks and we don't we don't get to hunt them we just have to kind of watch them fly around. I will say during those or two weeks in between end of season and early season we saw some pretty cool mallard migration patterns going on. Yeah, that was the first migration migration pattern that that I have went out and like actively saw and watched and and 
they were absolutely amazing to watch oh, them. Yeah. I, I mean, sit there and watch them for hours. Hundreds of birds on one field just doing a, a tornado yeah. of mallards to, to feed. I mean, we found one field that had, oh, probably 500 geese and probably 200 mallards on it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was absolutely amazing. They were just, they were flying around like crazy. And I, I mean, in Michigan, we, we don't see stuff like that. We don't get that was big the first, patterns. That was the first migration pattern I'd seen like that. Yeah, I mean, it was insane. And we stalked them for 20 miles or so. Oh, yeah. We were all over the place driving, following them. I mean, now we couldn't hunt them, but it was fun just to go out, see that kind of pattern. We also saw that pattern at the very, in our late season, the second day of late season. So it would have been December 27th last year when yeah, we were out it, hunting. It, yes, it was, the la- it was one of the last days of hunting. I think now, that was one of those days we went out to some of the public land around here, wasn't it? Yep. We did. And, we were out on public land, but we were... We were kind of caught with our pants down a little bit. We didn't have the decoys because it was everything was iced over, iced so we over. didn't expect anything to really be out there. We don't have ice eaters, you know. We're not that fancy. We're on public land, so we were walking on ice. I fell through the, the ice. Yeah, yeah you were through the ice. Luckily, the gun didn't get wet. That's say, the important. You were able to keep the gun above the more while. You didn't get your waders to fill up with yeah, water. I got so chest was, high. That was that, that was, was lucky, interesting. That got a little scary. Honestly, I thought I was going under. He really I did. Fell. Yeah, he almost did go under, and then you know, with two of us there, we really can't help him a whole lot. With we have to reach out with something long to help him out because the ice is thin enough that if we walk over, we're gonna fall in two, and. Me, I'm only five foot five. I would have. I was going to say you definitely would have been. <laughs> I would have. I would have been drowning. Yeah. No. Luckily, yeah. one of the taller guys in our group uh, fell in. Yeah, we're lucky you were in front that day. I was going to say. Sure. Yeah, you put the guy who was most afraid of ice in front. That was. A... No, I guess we could have put me. We could have put the lightest guy in front and hope it doesn't. The crack. lightest guy, and if it cracks, you know, it's just a sacrifice for our safety. But at that but moment. normally, luckily put... enough, we're by a little island that well, there was enough. <clears throat> yeah. Normally, we put the heaviest guy in front and let him stomp around for a little bit. That was our ice fishing technique. <laughs> yeah, that would be me just gliding across the ice, listening for cracks. Well, yeah. Yep. After Michael that. shits his pants. While Michael's in the back, yeah, I was gonna crying. say after yeah. that, my ice fishing season was absolutely awful because I had Vietnam flashbacks. Oh, he was—he was no good on the ice. He, we we talked about going out again, and he says he's not doing it. He's not going. <laughs> nope. My I'm ice done. fishing season came to an end when my phone decided to take a swim with the fishies. Oh, that was a great experience. It's yeah. not a great experience. It was. I. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were the one that decided to make the biggest hole on mankind for ice fishing. Oh yeah, this guy decides he's gonna drill ten holes together to make a giant hole, and then just drops his phone in there. Well, out of his pocket, but it was kind of funny. It was not kind of funny. Yeah. I was rather upset. The fish day. got a dinner table. It's all good. They did get a very fancy dinner table. They were vibing down there with your music <laughs> Watch, and everything else. They were listening to a little tea swizzle. So it sounds like I did the fish favor at that point. I mean, you got them cultured. You didn't help us catch any, so I mean, you didn't do that. Good no, let's job. be honest, you weren't catching any fish that day, anyways. No, <laughs> no I was the only too guy busy that was catching fish was me. Yeah, I was, uh, I was too busy trying not to die on he, the ice. He's just busy watching the ice and making sure it doesn't fall in, even though it's eight inches deep. You fell through what? Twice last year? Three times? Twice, I do believe. Twice? Because one time we had to drag you out with the kayak. Yep, yep. And the second time. I had to hang on to the kayak while you guys had all your mind dragging me. Yeah, yeah. No, he he likes to fall through ice. It's not our fault that he picks the ice. This is why I don't like ice. Well, don't pick the ice. I won't go out on ice Sounds like your issue. We haven't fell through at all. I mean, last year I was measuring ice and it was 8 to 10 inches thick. And this man is calling me a liar. (laughs) 
saying that it's only two inches thick and that he's going to fall through. And I said, you can measure it yourself. Meanwhile, there's four-wheelers driving past yeah, us there's on the ice. on the ice <laughs> driving past us. This guy's sitting here shaking, saying, oh my god, we're going to fall in! Hey, all I'm saying is I've never been more scared besides when I was sitting on that bucket and it made ice underneath me, and uh, I've never ran so fast in my <laughs> life to get to land. Okay? He, was, he was definitely willing to sacrifice his two uh, best friends. Yeah, I, I tried his, pushing them down yeah, to save yeah, myself. Really this did. was quite almost a one-person company at that point. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I would have been the lone survivor while they were dying. Lone survivor. Yeah, yeah. I would have got to not, safety. And I, I would have called call for help. Survivor. He was brave. Um, you just left us. <laughs> That's a very fair point. <laughs> it was not an act of bravery. That's for sure. Not at all. Survivor of the fittest. I, mean, I don't know what you want from me. So let's kind of talk about early goose. I want to talk a little bit about it because I'm kind of getting excited now that we know the dates. We're a month well, away I, from I was today. Say, I'm not. I'm kind of a little not prepared. Prepared. Oh, I'm that. not prepared at all. Because last don't... year it was only two weeks before season. We have some money to go spend. Well, oh, yeah, we, we gotta get lined. We don't goose. We, we we really never goose hunted before. We almost always just, just duck hunted last year, and we, we didn't yep. see anything really. But we were not prepared. But this year we've got a couple of friend groups plus ourselves. Luckily, those friend groups really know what they're doing, so they could actually go. Uh, Find some land. We're going to help them scout here soon, I'm hoping. Help some guys walk around some land. And then I'm just hoping that we get on some geese because I'm, I'm excited for our first early season of, of goose. Mm-hmm. We got some big money to spend. Got to go get ourselves some nice layout blinds, maybe some new camo because uh, I really don't feel like wearing waders in the middle of September. <laughs> no, that, to hunt that sounds awful. Field. That sounds way too hot and way too sticky and yeah. just not fun to lay out in. But we do, the company does have some new goose stuff coming out soon. I don't know if I can say it yet, but we, we are kind of around that point. So within a couple weeks, you guys, we'll be dropping some gear that we are definitely excited to use this year as far as some new silhouette decoy lines coming. And we're, as far as, that's pretty much it as far as goose decoys go. We're going to stick with silhouettes for a little bit. But when it gets time to duck season, we are in the works of partnering with some other local companies in order to get some nice... Uh, Mallard decoys out of the way. So keep your keep your ears open for our Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that and on our website. And you guys should definitely see some new products dropping over the next few weeks. I'm super excited. The silhouettes are good, definitely going to be my baby. Uh, I'm, I'm excited as hell for those to come out. We're, we're in the works right now with the company to start making those for us. Um, we should have a couple dozen of those, I'm hoping, by early goose. That would be the perfect time to drop them. Yeah, I would say our, our drop time for that's probably about three weeks away. So hopefully the week before early goose. And if you guys, you know, once once we drop the product line, you guys should be able to place a couple orders and we should be able to get those to you within a week or two. So right around that early goose mark is when you guys should be expecting to get them. But, you know, we will have a couple for ourselves and we'll make sure to let everybody know how they're doing in the field for early goose. Oh, so we're going to make sure we field test them. Yeah. Pretty thoroughly. We, yeah, we want to make sure the geese aren't flaring off of them. We're not going to sell something that doesn't work in the field. We don't yeah. want to be one of them companies. They will be field tested on the first day of early goose, and we can promise you guys that. So getting into today's actual <clears throat> topic. Yeah, so that was, you know, the first 15, 16 minutes of that podcast was kind of some breaking news that we got as far as, you know, the digest being released from Michigan today. Uh, today's actual podcast is more or less political. And we're going to try not to be too terribly biased here, but I kind of want to start out by saying something that 
just recently changed. And I know a lot of uh, guide companies up a little bit north of us in Canada are worried about right now. But uh, what do you think about our, our hunters from the United States going to be able to go hunt in Canada this year? Or what are we expecting for that? No. I'm going to say no right now. Alright, so zero to zero to ten. Give me I'm in agreement with the hunter. Zero to ten as in like ten they're going, zero they're not? Or? Yes. Yeah. Well, what are your expectations? How hopeful are you? One. One. I'm not hopeful at all. I'm not hopeful at all. I'm I don't, I don't think I think with this I think with the new variant, the government just loves their power. They're power hungry. Canada's they're worse than us. So I think they're gonna continue to push. No, they're not. I was gonna say I know a couple guys that go up in Canada and bear hunt every year and they're not going this year no or will they probably go next year the following and and there's a lot of things that are going to come off that because this is going to be the second year in a row that nobody from here is allowed to go up to canada and and that's that's a big deal for some guides up there because i think i read a statistic saying that 75 to 80 percent of their clientele is americans Oh yeah, I definitely believe that. I mean, it's it's going to be real interesting, and I feel for all those guide companies that are sitting there biting their fingernails right now, waiting to see what Biden and Trudeau does as far as opening the border for people to be able to hunt both sides. I just I just think uh, I don't think it's going to get opened. I think the guide services are going to get hurt, and I honestly think the towns, the little towns up there, that everybody spends money on their shops, they spend money on their gas stations, they spend money on their hotels, they really bring a lot of money in to some big towns up there they're gonna miss out again there's Even gonna be a lot of people who little towns money. that only bring in those hunters during that period of yeah they rely time. they rely on, on, on those hunting. hunters hunting is their main source of income to bring mm-hmm. people in and hunt and and they're not gonna be able to do it yep. it does give the canadians up there though a bigger chance to be able to go hunt without interference from americans there'll be more open slots and maybe not as many people running around searching but i do want to talk about one thing if if they do close the border again how close are we to ending freelance hunting in Canada? Because as of right now, before, when we were allowed to enter, you could freelance in Canada. You could go up there by yourself. You didn't have to hunt with a guide. And you could run around, find your own geese, find your own ducks, hunt them. You could bring American-made guns. You could bring American-made bullets. Are we close over there to being more like Mexico, where you got to go down there, you have to hunt with their guides, you have to hunt with their ammo, you have to hunt with it's it's all about their money, mm-hmm. their stuff. Well, right, and they need you the profit. It. So once once their profits are cut by not enough people going up there, they're going to need to find new ways to earn some more profit off that. And that would be you buying their ammo, renting their guns, their equipment, their gear, everything more than just the the guide companies themselves i'm just afraid that they're gonna they're gonna end freelance hunting i don't know how soon i i don't think it's gonna be super soon but with another year if they close the border i would expect in the next four or five years i would expect within the if next it's five going years the too. same the same way probably the next four or five years i just don't uh i don't have much faith that i think that they'll they'll keep it around i especially lately i've been hearing they couldn't hunt last year and they probably won't be able to hunt this year up there but before that the last three or five years freelance hunting was becoming big there was a lot of guys breaking some rules up there kind of being the typical hunter that you don't want to be around you know the guy that ruins it for everybody else leaving their trash leaving their shells and just ruining a lot of good land up there and if you're the canadian government i mean you bring a lot of money in for it but at the same time, you have to look at your resources and your natural habitat and kind of say, well, if they're ruining it, maybe we will just make it so they have to go with a guide. That way everything's legal. Everything stays yeah, legal. Yeah, if it's going to be that problematic, you might as well just make them so they have to follow your rules. They have to follow your rules. I, you know, I don't blame them. It is their their 
natural habitat. It is their country. They can do as they please. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I think right now there there is a date set for sometime in September to where you can travel back and forth. But it's one of those things where you have to be vaccinated to do it. You have to have your proof and well, you've got to have that. vaccination, not only that, but I think they're going to be stingent. On, even if they do open the border, they're going to be stingent on who gets to come across. It better be business-related or some form of that, you know, something serious. I don't know if they're going to let hunting across. You might have to have a different excuse to go to go there. Yeah. If you're just coming in to hunt, they really might just tell you no. Yep. That and then ticket prices are outrageous right now. They are bad. They're trying to make up for money quick. Yeah, they're definitely trying to uh, fix some of their resources. So on that note, you know, why we're talking about resources and stuff, let's talk about some of the, the resource issues that we're having in the United States. So uh, I know there's some some controversial policies going on in the west side of the state right now, especially as far as wolves and mountain lion goes. So what do you have to say about that? Well, California with their trophy laws now, you know, one of the most regulated places on the planet Earth, uh, they they are making it now so mountain lions really can't be hunted there. They're taking them, uh, trapping them, and then they're putting them over the mountains and into still California, but they're running down into other states now, which is going to cause other states to have to change their laws because now their cattle farms, their sheep farms, all their animals are getting hunted down by more mountain lions because Canada can't do their job, or not Canada, California can't do their job to uh, regulate their population. So it's really just a a fine line on the ecosystem. If one state kind of messes their population up, it's going to cause every other state to have to try to overcompensate because they've got way too many animals coming over from there. Not only that, but how do you think those mountain lions are going to affect the mule deer population in the mountains and the the goat population in the mountains for all those hunters out there? Oh, we got muley muley capital of the world over there in Utah, and I'm sure they're getting affected. They're going to get affected eventually. Right now, it's just a trickle. You know, it's a trickle down. You're kind of seeing it. It quite literally is trickling down the mountain. It really is. Uh, you're not going to see a big, big piece of it, and I think that's. That's what a lot of people are looking at. They're like, oh, it's not affecting the ecosystem. Well, it's not yet. Give it give it five to ten years, and you're going to figure it out really quick That you, by you not trapping or killing mountain lions and essentially putting them in other states. Um, it's going to affect their population heavily. I mean, Michigan did the same thing with wolves. We didn't have any wolves in Michigan for the longest time. Then they brought wolves in to get rid of some of the deer population up north and all that, and now they're just becoming a nuisance up north, really. They're having to like a coyote just having to get rid of them because they're going after livestock and everything like that it's up a, north it's a fine line for sure because by adding them in i think it did the ecosystem a good deed you know the deer were eating themselves out of house and home there was too many of them yep but then you get a boom of whatever you put in the ecosystem you mm-hmm. know it's kind of like it'd be kind of like uh the fish they're putting in to kill carp they've, they've been putting i don't know the name of the fish um Oh, but in the Mississippi River to get I rid think, of the Asian carp? Yeah, I think so. They're getting rid of the Asian carp, but oh, now they're figuring out that this other fish has bad pieces to the ecosystem as well. So it's a fine line. You start adding things to the ecosystem that weren't there before, and things start to go downhill quickly as soon as it booms because nothing's there to eat it. Yeah. And that's one of those big things that's going to be watched over the, uh, you know, like you were talking about the wolf population here in Michigan and just the Midwest in general. It's 
I know they're starting to open it up certain, I think there was a three-day hunting period in, I want to say it was Wisconsin where you could hunt them, and in the UP where you could hunt them for, I don't remember how many days it was, but there was a huge spike of the amount that was actually killed, and they, they had to question whether their their population numbers were actually correct, because there were so many killed, and they were amazed that there were even that many in the, in the UP alone. I think wolves especially would be really hard to gauge the population. Where they live... How they move? They, I mean, they're in packs, they're in family groups, but they're the same thing as coyotes, really. I mean, they're how just do you, a bigger coyote? Exactly. How do you how do you count them? I mean, uh, you fly over woods, what you can't see them. Mm-hmm. You put a group of people out there and hope you find them. Hope you find all of them. I mean, I don't. It's like, not like geese or ducks where you can fly a plane over these big prairies where they're they're nesting up, getting ready to fly down, and you can start counting. You can get a good count on how many hatched this year and how many are around they don't just sit out like that and get staged up they're in their own domain all the time i was gonna say they have find big dens underground and everything like yeah. that unless you send out big expeditions of people trying to count them by pretty much hand you're mm-hmm. never going to get the true number and tag one and then just follow that to wherever it leads you i mean then you have the issue of when you tag it is it going to be accepted back in the pack and that sort of thing you yeah. got to remove it and then find a way to reintroduce it so it's definitely a complicated process for well, i think yeah i i don't know it's it's a <clears throat> lot of stuff going on we're putting our hands in a lot of things sometimes so, you just gotta let nature run its course i mean it's gonna so. be hard for some of the farmers but so what are you thinking do they stay off the endangered species list or do we end up having to put them back on i know that's a big Big topic within what the Biden administration will do right now is what what all he will do to protect the wolves. You have, you know, the, the conservation side of things that are saying you have to leave them, you have to put them back on the endangered species list. And then you have the the more farmer wildlife side of things that say you got to keep them off. We have to be able to kill these animals as soon as they step on our land. Uh, that's a great question. I don't know what they're going to do. I think this administration is going to put rules into place where you will not be able to take as many of them or if any of them, I think they'll put them back on. But I don't think they need to be put back on. It's 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 all about keeping them at the correct level of population, but some of these groups like to think that if you just leave them there, nature will take its course and everything will be evened out. Well, that's not how things work in nature. Things not don't anymore. Just even, no, they no. don't. They don't just even out. If We've already meddled too much at this point. We've, yeah. If if they were if they're there now, there's nothing there to kill them except for mm. disease. So they're either going to die a slow death due to disease. They're going to have plenty of food because starvation, more starvation. They're going to eat themselves out of house and home. Yeah. But leaving, then they're going to go towards the farmers and go after the cattle. Go after go cattle, and then which, you're going to ruin their livestock, ruin their lives. And there'll be no animals up there to eat any of the greens. The, mm-hmm. I mean, the grass, the bear, everything up there will will take off like crazy. The it's just a fine line. You can't just leave them by themselves to do their own thing because if you do, you will have nothing. You won't have anything left. You know they'll eat and reproduce until they can't eat and reproduce anymore. Yeah, it's just a fine line. Like in the Yellowstone, they took wolves out, and look what the <clears throat> elk and all them did out in Yellowstone. They literally ate all the wildlife, and the elk were starving, so they put the wolves back in. And now it's thriving there, though. And now they've it's got, absolutely amazing there. They've got that population perfect. They've got it so everything runs in a perfect circle, perfect mm-hmm. unison, and it, it all makes sense. It's one of those things that trial and error really has to be done. you got to see how many how many you need to introduce and how to control that population, just like they did out in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And it's going to head that way towards the UP and Michigan, the Midwest, and everywhere else. Now, we don't have the big wildlife like elk and all them heavily in the Yellowstone 
not as Michigan. heavy. We I mean, do we have got, elk. Yeah, we do, but up, up north. Way up north. We have elk. That's one thing I would love we to hunt deer. one of these years. I would love to. Do a nice well. elk hunt up in the UP. I had a co-worker when I was working at Henry, uh, up at Henry Ford, and he went up and hunt, hunted an elk, and he got a behemoth. I have, I didn't even know elk that size were up there. Massive. And he hunted it. He hunted it for a week straight. I do believe it was something like that. Yeah, there's some three or four days straight. Stalking and dedication and, to elk and moose hunting and stuff like and that. And he, he pulled the tag. You got to pull a tag for up there. And mm-hmm. It's it's super hard to get. And he was able to pull the tag. And luckily, his uh, his family actually owns a lot of land up there that has big elk on it. And he killed a massive elk. I didn't even. I I was surprised that they even had elk like that up there because normally our stuffs, our kind of stuff like that's a tad tad smaller. smaller. Like a, we have black bear. Our black bear is nowhere near other states' black bear. Mm-mm. No, not even close. No, no if you like go Georgia. like Georgia. Georgia's got some Georgia, massive South, black Georgia, South Carolina. Pennsylvania, those states. Down South there. Carolina has massive. And then you go to <clears> Canada. <throat> Canada's got some huge bear up there. See, a uh, guy that I know that's hunted black bear the last five or six years have not pulled anything big out of Canada. I, I guess it depends on what province you're in. Yeah, I guess. They're they're all their resources got to figure out where's he hunting up there. Uh, he's hunting on the island. I'm not really sure. Really? Uh, really? An island? And he goes up there and uh, far, does a guide hunt. How far north? Pretty pretty far north. Um, I have no idea where he hunts. Hmm. And that's one of those things, you know, Canada has provinces. Does it, do they have different province laws like we have here in the United States as far as hunting goes? Or is it just all federal regulation? There's one season, one rule. How does that work up in Canada? No, I no do. idea. I, I really don't know, but I do, from listening to other people that actually go up there and hunt, I think they do have different laws pertaining to which, which province you're in. Yeah. They probably have, like, time zones. Like they we do. do here I think Michigan, they have like, time zones because they're, I mean, they're so big up there. You travel from one spot to another. It's a completely the, different The time ecosystem, zone. The, the way weather, it, it all changes mm-hmm. rapidly. Drastically. Very fast. It's, like, a whole different place, you mm-hmm. know? So I would assume that they would have different time zones up there. Yep, they do. They have different time zones for all your birds, game, and even fish regulations. Um, Ontario, though, the, the first little snippet of information it pulled up, is the only province in Canada that has an archery season. Really? So that's interesting. Why? I wonder why that is. Yeah, that's that's an interesting little fact there. That They're the only ones. I don't know if that means you can just use a bow during uh, gun season up there or how that really works, but that's kind of interesting that they don't do. I don't know. Archery seasons I don't know like we do here. Canada very well. Never mm-hmm. been up there. Not a Canadian expert. Never hunted there. No, I don't know nothing about them. That's what I brought you in here for was to be a Canadian expert. Oh well, you brought the wrong guest. I did. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> oh man! All right, let's get into our next point here. All right. So, what do you guys more or less expect from the uh, the, the Biden administration? They've now been in for what six, seven months now. I don't know. We're, Too damn long. We're getting there as far as. <laughs> Um, how long they've been in office and what they've planned on doing. I remember his first day in office, he did a lot of uh, mm-hmm. wildlife law changes and hunting land changes as far as national parks go and hunting land nationally. So so what do you guys expect to see from the, the Biden administration over the next three and a half years? A lot of bullshit. That's what I expect to see. Just a lot of crap that they don't know about. Their whole – I think the biggest point to make with their whole entire administration is – these people, none of them, his whole organization, none of these people carried around hunting licenses. I think that was a big thing in the Trump organization. If you went around the table to their, their resources, 
department, their different departments that control the aspect of hunting, most of them had tags in their pocket. They were actually contributing to money in in the wildlife areas. You know, they hunt. They know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. I think that's a big point to make with the Biden administration. These people know nothing about hunting. They don't understand it. They don't know why we do it. They're only here for one thing and one thing only. They want to get rid of as much of our culture, as much of our hunting rights as they possibly can. So one of the interesting things that, you know, is happening here in the Biden administration, um, the Secretary of Interior is who pretty much runs uh, the, the national parks and wildlife as far as the administration goes, obviously under the influence of Biden, but that that's who's the one who who signs all the work for that kind of stuff. So she is wildly disliked out west. I know our out west viewers probably know who I'm talking about because she is greatly talked about there. And she's not very liked by both sides of the aisle. So what's interesting is she has came out again and again and is refusing to commit to the maintenance of our national parks and wetlands as far as hunting goes. Um, out west, I know you guys rely on those national wetlands to be able to hunt. That's a lot of your hunting land. There's hundreds of thousands of acres out west where you guys are able to hunt and you rely on those lands to be able to get your harvest each year. So I know she's one of the people that everyone has their eyes on and is really hoping to see some some maintenance of our lands more or less than just taking away the amount of each land that we can hunt. Well, there's a big wetland out in California. California is actually super populated with ducks. They hunt ducks like crazy out there. They got the cinnamon tail, my favorite bird. Uh, it is your favorite bird. I mean, you have te- you have Texas, Arkansas, Kansas, Ca- I mean California. Those are those are really huge states for duck hunting. And I know there's a big flat out there where there's no water. The water has gone down now. So because they've not paid attention to it. There's no they're not paying attention to this wetland. There's no water. These ducks are coming in, and they need they need the water, and it's a big breeding ground. California relies heavily on birds that live there. They're home birds, you know. They, I think 75% of the birds shot in California were born there. They don't have a huge migration, but they do have a lot of birds. Well, this wetland is holding a lot of their birds, and it's a lot of breeding ground for them. Without the water, though, they're getting sick. They're getting there. They're getting sick. There's no There's no water for them to swim in. They're not healthy. They're dying off, and I think that's a big part to do with an or with this administration though because they're not planning on doing anything they're going to just let it go and run its course and i think these people want to say that if we let them go we don't hunt them the way we were the population will go up that's not the point no we can not hunt them all we want the population won't go up it's the same every year it's how it works they will die whether it be disease or animals or to us so if we don't hunt them they'll just get sick They'll die the same. They'll die the same way. It, you might as well be more ethical about it. You get you feed families. You take them in a more ethical way. We don't like them sitting there being sick and then getting every every other duck sick. And honestly, it, it killed off a lot last year. I know they went out there and there was a lot of birds dead, uh, just laying in the flats. Yep. They had to go out there and pick them up. Um, I mean, it's a sad, sad day when when you got ducks like that getting sick that you couldn't hunt. Nobody got out there. It's a lot of wasted resources. Resources. And, you know, a perfect example of that is what we talked about on our last uh, Five Minute Fridays episode. You know, CWD, that's that's where it came from. That's where it originated as the the deer population around here was booming and it really caused a decrease in the feeding grounds because all these other deer were trying to mingle and such. And that's 
a huge contribution to where CWD, how it spread in this area and how it really started off so quickly. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about CWD, but I do know that we were having, we had a big boom in population and then it took, it took a lot of deer out a lot, especially around here. I found three deer, I think on my property that had died from CWD, all of which had gone to the water. And falling in there yep. and died. I'm gonna say I've known, I've seen a couple big bucks just going to the water, and that's just where they go. That's where oh, they it's died. those two uh, European mounts I have sitting in those buckets out in my garage. That's where they're dead by water. Two, two, a ten point and a twelve point just don't die right next to each other like that, especially if they're not locked up in a fight. You know, they were they were sitting by the watering hole and found them in the spring. That's probably where they came from with CWD. All right, so let's go ahead and break down some of the numbers that, as we're talking about the Biden administration, what to expect. Let's go ahead and break down some of these numbers that the uh, the Biden administration is expected to follow and kind of what they've done so far. So to talk about that, we're going to have to figure out where we are going into the Biden administration. So the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, um, you know, the, the, uh, the chief of that who was appointed by President Trump back in 2016 – announced that the hunting season would be open and expanded on 2.3 million acres scattered across 147 national wildlife refugees. There was an outrage from the Democratic side, and then Biden's, Biden's administration came in, and he appointed his new chief of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and they proposed to bring the number of units into the service uh, where the public may hunt 434 instead of 147 different lands. So he did increase the number of lands but actually increase the percent of land from 76 percent of the 567 total refugees that he was opening so those are important numbers because even though they you know when when he says them in a press conference it looks like he opened up a lot less land than trump was planning on it really turns out to be almost the same amount of acres across the united states and the different refugees they're opening up so it's, it's interesting to see how they're actually more or less in agreement to the fact of there has to be more land opening because some of the populations that we're trying to hunt are booming in certain states. Looking for a moral victory. Isn't that always what the left does? You're looking to put your face, say something different than what's actually happening. Now, luckily, I'm glad that there is more land open because hunting is the best thing for our resource, I think, that you can do. Hunters put the most money into land out of anybody there's no other group that's putting the money in the hunters are putting in no there's no other group putting the time and effort in to do things for natural resources such as we are for the animal population such as we are there's nobody they can say it all they want but nobody's putting that much time money or effort in right i mean hunting's one of those things that are almost fully the one of the few things that are almost fully self-funded by hunters themselves you know yeah. All, almost all of our money that we put into tags, registrations, and stuff like that goes back into the wildlife service. It's Though it might be considered federally funded because that money goes through the federal government or the state government, it all comes directly out of the hunter's I mean, pockets. the state and, the fed, and federal give some money to our natural resources, but the hunters give a lot, so a they, lot, a lot. They, the, these resources couldn't just thrive on just the state. And, and then you have guys government. like us that go out on these public lands – we clean stuff up. If we find something that's out there that's dirty, we clean it up. Mm-hmm. If there's certain things that have happened out there, we help clean stuff up. There's groups that go out and they help ban ducks on public land with the DNR. Um, there's lots of 
groups that go out and just clean public lands up and clean all, all the debris and trash off the highways and oil spills that have happened and that kind of stuff. And I don't think you'd get that if you didn't have the hunters. For sure. And I think whatever whatever the Biden administration does to adhere to the hunting spe- to the uh, hunters themselves, it, it's really going to be interesting to see because he knows in a lot of these swing states he needs in the upcoming election in three years, he has to adhere to all those hunters because he needs to get some of their votes. So he can't be totally contingent on what he does for the wildlife. I think they know deep down that they, they've, ha- they've got to have good regulated hunting. It has to be here. You can't just get rid of it. But I, I would say, I think California, you're gonna, you're, you're seeing them go further and further and further away from hunting, and you can see it hurting their land. You can see it hurting their resources. You can see it hurting their population and animals. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how California is really gonna run as almost a test subject for the wildlife refugee in the United States, and how it's really gonna affect the entire western part in those places well, that really rely on. Them. They're going anything like they're doing. Like EPA and all that stuff, they're just going to run themselves into the ground. I feel I mean, bad for the for the Californians, though, because, well, I kind of do, but also at the same time, a lot. I, wish I feel bad for the hunters, off. I should say. I feel bad for the hunters, because a lot of them people have done it to themselves. They voted in the people that have done this stuff to them. That is true. But uh, I feel bad for the hunters, because that's a hunter's paradise out there. There yep. is animal galore, natural resources, resources everywhere, and they're just going to run it right into the ground. They're doing the same thing they do every other thing. Now, Look at the diesel community. luckily, Michigan hasn't been... It's blue as long as California has, so we're not we haven't run ourselves into the ground, which is kind of nice. But um, it'll be interesting hey, to we're see. We're getting there. The business side of the state's definitely getting there. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say we're slowly getting there. Yeah, I know. We got three major cities that have screwed us. And over that's one of those things where the amount of blueness in our state's really gonna affect us over hunting season, as far as what COVID regulations we get hit with as well. And just like we talked about with Canada, we're gonna get hit with something. I wouldn't be surprised. They're waiting for something. They'll hit us with something as soon as hunting season gets here because they don't want more pot. You you got a bunch of rednecks with guns out in the woods hunting stuff. The first thing you're going to do is screw with us. Why not? That's what you do. So going into, you know, your regulation and everything that we've been talking about, one of those things that I know Michael likes to say quite a bit is that he's not political. And one of the biggest things I want to stress is that if you're a hunter, you pretty much have to be political to be a good hunter. You have to know who you're voting in and what you're voting in because you have to pay attention to what they're going to do for the resources in your state, especially in a year where in the upcoming year we have another election in Michigan and obviously plenty of states around the country for a new governor and a, a, a possible change of the governor and the party that they reflect. Let's hope. Let's hope there's a change in the governor. Yeah, I'm praying here. And it's one of those things where you have to you have to be able to look into it and see who you're voting for because – even though I know some people who voted for in Michigan what Whitmer was going for before the election, they see now that you know she hasn't really enacted those kind of changes and hasn't done a whole lot as far as some of the you know the big things obviously fix the damn roads. So with that being said, what kind of you know we're, we're getting into an election time for Michigan. What kind of stuff do you want to see change locally as far as our our regulation roads. goes, other than our roads? Because you know. I'm tired of having to put like two grand worth of front end parts on my truck every week or every year. That's fair. But as far as uh, conservation and regulation, yes, yes. There's there's a long list we could go into with that. I think our DNR could have more money to play with. Honestly, I don't know what they're what they're given each year for money wise to do stuff with, but uh, they could use more people and they could use more 
resources because they're short. I know they're short. I was going to say, they try and uh, find everything wrong or flaw of everything you do when you are out hunting. Like, yeah, they gave us they a need, ticket they need for a life jacket. Yeah, they need they, they need, need money. They need the money. And I I don't blame them because that technically, it's a law. you got to follow the law, yeah, and they no. can get you on any law they want. But they really do try hard to find anything and everything possible wrong with it because I honestly do think they need money. Now, that's a, that's a hot take, and that's my opinion, but... Yeah, that's definitely something that could cover a whole podcast in itself as far as what the DNR gets and what they need and what they should be doing differently. But I think it's pretty clear they don't have the resources they need to be able to adequately, I don't want to say do their job, but do it in a way that would be suffice to all the hunters. Well, I don't think area. our local government backs them up very well. They're kind of off in their own little corner. They do their own little thing. Our local government anybody... doesn't even back up our police officers. Well, anymore. that was going to be my segue there. I think there's a lot of people that don't get backed up by the local government. They can't do their job because, first of all, no one lets them do their job and they don't give them the money to do their job. All right, so give, give me one one single point that you want to see changed from whoever either takes an office or remains in office in Michigan. I want to see more funding. Funding's my biggest answer. I want to see funding. I want to see more people. Just way more things going into conservation. All right. Well, what do you want to see done with that funding then? What 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 do you want to see that funding? Put it back into our put it back into our public lands. I think public lands is huge. I think we need to make sure that we're putting nest boxes out to make sure that we're keeping animals controlled to eat ducks and eat the eggs and. We put the nest boxes out. We keep make sure that the water is staying in there if we can. If we can pump water in, if it's getting low or something, if there's dams, we can open those up. Keep our, you know, water safe. Don't let trash, don't let random people just go in there. I'd like to see our sanctuaries taken care of better. One of our um, biggest hunting, our public hunting spots right now, our water's down six, seven inches right now in the last couple of years, yeah. if not more. Yeah, we were definitely in a huge long-term drought over the past three, And then years. not only that, but the last couple of hunting seasons, the hunters out there have really put a toll on not picking their garbage up. Yeah, the garbage is huge. Yeah, if you're going to go camp overnight to go into opening day at Waterfowl I mean, season, pick up your stuff after and the 55-gallon drums sitting out on these islands. I mean, yeah, I don't that, know how they even got half the I, stuff they I get out there. I don't know how they got half the stuff out there. It's almost impressive. We, it, found, it really we is. found lights. We did Glass find lights. lights. They had their own personal little bathroom set up with light, solar-powered solar light, powered light bulbs which, hanging from the tree. Not to be gross or anything, made it kind of convenient when you had to use it at 5.30 in the morning, but... <laughs> well, yeah, but at the same time... That's beside the, the, point, beside the point. It's Don't leave the point. your stuff out there. It's not hard to... What you came in with, you go out with. Yep. Pick up your stuff. Including the shelves. I was going to say, especially how, your shelves. There's one shelves. peak out there where we used there was totally red. So many red shells out there. There was a mound. There was a mound. I would say of at least 300 shells. Oh, I was going to say more. Sitting there. And I don't over know. Over the years. Over the years of people just piling their shells. So yep. instead of taking them, they just decided they'd throw them in a pile. Yep. And leave them there. In that pile. They're not going to degrade. No, they're not going to degrade. They'll never degrade. Nope. They're just going to sit there and be there. Yep. That's it. No, that's kind of where I wish the DNR would go out there and enforce that a little more instead of just sitting at the entrance and... Yeah, it's going to be different everywhere you go. Well, every year I feel like we see them sitting at the dike. They wait for people to come in. They wait. They They don't get some of these guys because we've seen guys out there. Beer cans. Beer cans. Drinking while they're hunting. Not leaving the proper registration behind that said they camped there. Leaving their trash. Cutting down trees that they're not allowed to cut down. They're burning stuff they're not allowed to burn. They're burning their trash. They're leaving these big, huge messes. And the DNR was never back there to even see it. Nope, 
They just sit at the dike waiting. They sit at the dike waiting. And, and that goes back down to their funding and what their resources are for them to be able to get out there. Yeah. I mean, there just needs to be more stuff happening to make sure we regulate everything good and bad about hunting. Because I'm not saying that every hunter is a good hunter. That That's nothing. No. Nothing but. And everyone makes mistakes. Like, we yeah. made mistakes with the life jacket. We did. We made mistakes with the life jacket. And we, we got fine for it. I oh, guarantee yeah. you fine that every jacket. time from after this, we've brought a life jacket. Oh, we definitely had that. it with us because that fine made us think about it. We didn't want to get fined again. Uh-uh. And that was one of those things that you didn't necessarily know the true truth or laws on either. As far as well, we read through the pamphlet, but sometimes the pamphlet's long. It doesn't include everything. It doesn't either. include everything either. Sometimes, but because I didn't know you had to have a life jacket on a non-motorized vehicle. Well, we 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 boat. thought that we didn't have to have the life jacket because it wasn't motorized and they were less than a certain feet long. But that was that was false. Yeah, I mean, yes, we did break the law and everything, but I really wish it's kind of like a seatbelt ticket, you know. The first one or two, you kind of give a giveaway on, and then you also have the guys out there who had no plugs. Now you can tell the NRA said they had plugs in, but you can definitely tell a difference between no, guns. When, when three they guys, said the same, they said they had the same guns, but you can tell same a difference. gun, same shell, but you can tell the difference on who's shooting. And when there's three guys out there, and you hear fifteen shots ring off mm-hmm. in a span, and they're all on the same pile. You can guarantee they did not have plugs in. Oh, prom- promise you. Now, they could put the plugs in before the DNR got there. But well, the problem with it was, is the way they were sitting, they could see the DNR coming. Before. They could definitely tell if the DNR was going to, the DNR was not going to be able to sneak up on them. Yep. They were deep, thick in the woods. And we we actually asked the DNR that day about it, because we had said that there was someone out there hunting with no plugs in, and they said they went and checked them, but it took them... 45 minutes to get back there to see them. They knew they were coming before they were even there. Pop off 15 rounds, throw a plug in, and call it a day. It's really easy to throw your plug back in and call it a done deal. They can't do do anything unless you don't have it. All right, so the last thing that I want to kind of talk on is, to add a little uh, razzle-dazzle to this, is I want you to throw out one thing that you want to discuss and get your opinion out there. Don't care if it's about hunting, conservation, or anything in general. Give us something that you would like to discuss. College football. College football for sure. There's a lot of big news happening right now. All right, so break some of that news down to us. Texas and Oklahoma accepted invitations to go out to the SEC in 2025. Very excited for this. I am. I also think it's a good move. See, Gives I Alabama some actual competition. Goons. I think you're goons. Cross schedule. Schedule Alabama. Then you don't have to be in their conference. Or maybe it's because the Big Twelve totally fucked them over come COVID season and had to rechange pretty much their entire policies. No, I understand that the Big Twelve is kind of a fuckery of a place, but you're getting rid of a whole conference now. That conference is not strong enough. They have to move now. Yeah, that conference is weak. Well, it they're, is. There are only two good teams that are consistently dis- no, good. No, I disagree. I disagree. They're the Texas is overplayed. They're the Michigan of the Big 12. They're overplayed every single year, and every single year they stink. Right, but at least they'll be able to go in and get Bama some competition over there in the SEC. Let's be honest. Oklahoma is the only one giving anybody competition <clears throat> anywhere. I'm not a Titan, no. Texas don't do crap. But you've essentially eliminated the Big 12. The Big 12's gone. Now they have to find new homes to go. So now... So what are they, what are they left with? Eight teams? Do they have 10 or do they have 12? Big 12, I think they had 12. <laughs> I thought they not. started just, with 12. I, mean, I don't I'm not, actually I'm not know how many teams they had. 
But, I mean, you have Oklahoma State over there. I thought they were a pretty good team. Baylor. Baylor is on the move. I think they're an all right they, team. They did pretty good. I mean, it was COVID last year, and you couldn't really get like, to you your full. You couldn't gauge everybody how they were but doing. But they did pretty good last year. Yeah, the Big the Big 12 had just 10 teams because that makes a lot so of sense. So at least eight So teams there's eight left. teams left Okay, in well, eight teams left. There's, I think Baylor's on the move. You could get a couple out-of-conference players. There's many years, though, where Baylor's the better team in Texas. Texas A&M is in the SEC. But they're the better team in Texas. So what what has Texas got to do with going over the SEC? They just think they're big? They think they're big, but I think they know that they're also hyped up quite a bit and they can give – I mean, a, a, a Texas versus Bama game is going to be one of the most watched games in college football. Yeah, but instead of getting the toilet bowl, now you get absolutely bludgeoned in the SEC and you get no bowl game. Yeah. If I'm the happy. SEC, I'm loving it. If I'm Auburn, if I'm – uh, Alabama, LSU, I am loving it because I'm like, sweet, these two little teams are going to come over. I'm going to beat the heck out of them, and it's going to be awesome. I guess we'll see how it goes. Coverage. I, I, I hate it. How much do you think the landscape changes as we uh, go into NIH territory? The landscape changes tremendously. By paying these players for likeness and letting them make I, money I in college, it's, it's an awful idea. I think it's an awful idea. They didn't think about it because... It's an under-regulated idea. The problem with it is, is they did when they did the rule, they didn't think about how it would affect traditional scouting and recruiting. Because, no, the school's not paying you. But it depends... You're going to... The money you receive will depend on what school you play for. Let's oh, be yeah. honest. Oh, for sure. 100%. The Alabama quarterback right now, who has not touched the field has not played a down football this year, has made $800,000, and they're expecting him to make over well over a million dollars in these deals before he even plays a down of football. Okay, That just gives you some perspective on what the name of the team you play for is going to give you. You're the quarterback for Alabama, and you're making that much money, and they don't even know if you're any good. They have no idea. So what happens when Alabama walks into the room with another team that's smaller than them, and they're in the same room, and they're they're going against each other, and Alabama might say, you might not get to play the first couple years because we have good talent. So the normal reasons for that kid to go to that other school, but they're going to be like, we're Alabama, and all these You're going to make six figures You're going to make six here. figures while you're here because that's us. Mm-hmm. That's Bama. That's, that's Bama football now. And then you got players that's affecting at the high school level, like Ohio State's QB commit. Who's, I was going to say, he was only a junior? Yeah, he's thinking he's about skipping doing, his senior yeah, season. He's, he's going to skip his senior, senior season. season. He's gonna and, and we're getting away from the whole point of sports, the whole point of football. Football is a family sport, man. You're you're playing with your brothers out there. You're making uh, – you lose together, you win together. That's just how it works. And now – to make money, because it's a money game now, you're going to yep. leave your brothers. I could never do that. I could have never left my senior season and been like, I'm going to go make money. But I understand where some of these guys are coming from. Some of them need money. Some of them come from a wrecked home life. A wrecked home life where the, their parents or parents need money. They need yep. the help. And so they it does help them financially go and do that before they make it to the NFL, but it ruins the sport of football. I think we definitely need some more regulation on how much and what they could get paid for. I agree. And when they can get paid. I think it's how, I definitely think how much you can get paid. There should be a top. A cap, for a sure. Cap. A cap needs to be in place because there is no reason that these kids should be making that much money. No, technically, in my eyes, my opinion, your college career is your audition. It's your tryout to see if you're going to make it in the NFL. I don't. Think, That's whether you get the job or not. I don't think these kids should even be thinking about the NFL. There's, no, I don't think there's no, a reason. You're there to get higher education. Yep. 
these schools need to go after education and getting a degree and making sure these kids can actually do something after football. How many people have we seen that after football they've got nothing? A lot. Got sure nothing there's a lot of big star athletes. After they got football, they run out of money because they can't go do well, a normal nine to five job. Can't read or write because I think most of these schools just let them get past with a lot of things because they're a good yeah, athlete. They just push them along. No, there needs to be further regulations on making sure these kids are actually there doing the degree that they're there for. And not just having Sarah not just getting six figures fuck. for being a face of somebody's yeah, football program. Not just having some other student do their work for them. And we're we're heading in the direction of the NFL. It will go downhill here soon. It you know the best sport in America eventually will. And that's It'll a sad like thing because I can't stand watching the NFL. And college football was the only thing I had left. Yeah, to I, watch. I agree. I, I can't stand baseball the NFL. went downhill. Baseball NASCAR went downhill. Baseball this year has gone downhill a lot. Now, thankfully, college NBA basketball. College basketball still doing good right now, uh, but they'll probably make the swing here shortly. Shortly after college football. I mean, we've already seen the decline in NASCAR. We're going to see that we've seen the decline in NFL. MLB is making a huge decline this year because, first of all, the umps are cheating some people oh, out of some games hard. They've been caught so hard. Yeah. I don't know what Even the in heck's the... going on with the Ops this year. But also, I think big we're seeing... Name, big name, or big time games, they've been cheating them hard. Heck yeah. What was it the other night? The Yankees? Yankees. New, was it New York? The club, Clubs and Red Sox. Was it Clubs and Red Sox? I believe it was the Clubs and the Red Sox. Well, they uh, they threw they threw one of the guys out. I mean, it was an outside ball by two feet. Guy waits 10 seconds, calls the strike, and he throws he throws him out of the game for being mad about it. I, I, I would have been mad about it, too. I'd have threw the bat as well. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what kind of roads we head down. But to wrap it up, guys, thank you so much for listening. And uh, be sure to go to southernmichiganwaterfowlchasers.com to look at all of our products and follow our social medias at 517SMWC to get the latest. And we have a lot of new decoy products dropping a lot of new apparel dropping soon so be sure you follow all of our stuff to get the latest information and the latest deals when we have sales and stuff like that go buy a lot of duck calls and go buy a lot of duck calls or goose calls I'm or goose calls. Grunt calls grunt calls grunt calls are on the way uh, yep grunt calls season. for deer season deer as it comes fans. up those should be dropping at some point i'd say within the next three or four days I'd say within the next two days. All right. Within the next two days is when our product developers will be have that done. There will be some on there. We'll give a couple of sound profiles, too, on our A couple Instagram sound profiles will be on our Instagram, our we Facebook, need, and our website. We need to get our Woody Whistle sound profile out there, too, because we got a couple guys interested in those. Yep. Can hear yeah. Those will be on our website by the end of the week. Well. So be sure to check out for our newest product line. And thank you guys so much for listening.